Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Sermon Podcast. We are streaming live from Karam Downs in Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational, Bible-believing, and preaching church. We believe the Bible is the inherent Word of God and preach it verse by verse. You can follow us at www.kingswaycf.com and follow our video sermons. Now, join us as we listen to the latest sermon preached by Pastor John Shipman. How well do you know the Holy Spirit this morning? That's what I'm going to talk about today. It's part two. God's power versus willpower. And as you know in this church, we actually go through the Bible verse by verse, don't we? Don't we? We go through the books and we will return to that. But I felt it late by the start of this year to just talk about, I believe it is the most important sermons that I will ever preach in my life. It's the sermons about the Holy Spirit. We're living in difficult and dark times. Who knows that? I mean, look around you. My heart goes out to these young people. These young children will face challenges beyond what you and I face in our lives. Mom and Dad, you need to show your children how to operate in the Spirit's power. That's how you, you can't leave it over to the schools. The schools has fallen. The schools has fallen for the lie. You as parents, the responsibility is on your shoulders to teach your children about Christ. There ain't nobody in the world, the world is not going after Christ anymore. And if you still sit here and believe it is there, you need to wake up. Turn to the person next to you and say, wake up. So I want to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit and knowing the Holy Spirit as God's power versus willpower. And you remember last week we came to this verse in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. If you've got your own Bible, I want you to open it up. And if you've got a pen, I want you to encircle the words which I put in a different color there. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. It says, in Him you also trusted. Everybody say trusted. After your heart, after you heard the word of truth. Everybody say word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, everybody say believe, you were sealed, everybody say sealed, with the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, say it again, say it again, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee, everybody say guarantee, guarantee, of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, the praise of His glory. If you've got your Bible open, if you've got a pen, I want you to circle those verses and write in next to it NB. What is NB standing for? Important. It is important. I then want you to go this afternoon because you've already marked it in your Bible to open up there and to read it over 10 times and meditate on it and pray about it. Because these verses, if you don't know, they will change your life and it has already changed your life if you are living by them. Let me explain. 
If you look at the chapter, at those verses, and I'll pack it for you, it says, in Him you also trusted. The word trusted there comes from the Greek word. It means to have confidence in something. To have confidence in something. It means to see something as reliable and truthful. Now that is what the word means, and it means there that you've also trusted in Him. That is spelled with what? A capital letter. Who's the him it's talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Paul says to these people and he says to you and me today, in Jesus you also trusted. In other words, in Jesus you had confidence. Who's got confidence in Jesus this morning? Have you? It means in that specific place that you, you find Jesus to be reliable and to be truthful. This is the essence. This is the foundation of your faith. In Him. Not in the world. Not in the church. Not in the pastor. Not in the guru. Not in nobody, but Him. In Him you find trust. Do you know Him? How can you have trust in something that you don't know? How can you find something reliable that you don't know? And then he continues on to say, After you heard the word of truth, I find this so fascinating. You see the word is so deep and it's so wide and it's so vast that this little brain of mine will never ever come to the point to anticipate this magnificent, powerful God that I serve. Every time I go into the word, there is a line that you follow down and it all comes back to Him, Jesus. If you've got Jesus, listen young people, young children, listen to me. I know mom and dad's going to say it to you so many times. But if you've got Jesus in your life, your life will be whole. It will be healed, it will be blessed, it will be strong. The world will say all of these other things will make you happy. But there's nothing that is going to make you happy and joyful than Jesus. And you might say hallelujah to that. He says, after you heard the word of truth, the word therefore, word, that word therefore, word, is the word logos in Greek. Logos is what you find in John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That word there is logos, that word there is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. He says here that you heard the word of truth. In John 17, 17, he says to them, Jesus prays this priestly prayer to the Father. He says, sanctify them. The word sanctify means set them apart. Listen to me, brother and sister. As a child of God this morning, you need to be set apart from the world. You won't hear a lot of aliens in churches and you won't hear a lot of churches pray this because it's not acceptable out there. People who's looking for the right church, according to them, will not like what I'm going to say now. But the Word of God says that we as a church, we as a people of God, we as children of God, we as Christians, whatever name you use, we as black, uh, born again children, needs to be set apart from the world. 
The problem is, is that the spirit of the world has entered into the church and it's now acceptable. Sanctify them by your truth. The question then is, what is truth? And here we find it, your word is truth. Guess what word is used there in Greek? Logos. We come back to our words. After you've heard the word of truth, the word of truth, he says, by your truth, your word is truth. Now we need to unpack it a little bit further. We need to identify the Logos. Who better to go to than Jesus Christ himself in his own words? John chapter 14 verse 6. I love John chapter 14. In fact, I love the whole Bible. But John chapter 14 verse, the whole chapter 14 is so powerful. It is one of the most profound promises in the Bible that you will find in chapter 14. Again, I'm going to use the privilege that I know that you know what that promise is, and that, that uh, 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 promise to you and me. I'm going to parachute into verse 6. But I'm going to take the privilege to know that you already know what's written before verse 6. Yeah? And in verse 6 it says the following. Jesus said to him, I am the what? The way. I am the way and the truth. the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I love it. You see, brothers and sisters, look, I can tell you stories. I've got a plethora of stories to tell you, trying to open up the word for you. But I'm going to leave it over to the word itself. Scripture, Scripture expands Scripture. You know, we're going to use the Word of God to explain the Word of God. Amen? I'm going to leave it over to God to do. Yeah? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth. Now, if you read it again, it says, After you heard the Word of truth. Who is the truth here? Jesus. Jesus. After you've heard Jesus. And then it qualifies it, the Gospel. Gospel is the good news of your salvation in whom you also having believed. You see the word here of having believed. He uses the word in him you also trusted. But then he says you also having believed. The word they believe means to accept something is true especially without proof. If people come to you and say is Jesus true? Prove it to me. I believe in everything in this Bible. I believe every single word in this Bible without any proof right now. Is, have, you, have you reached that place? <coughs> you know, you can get some people, they can come to you and they open up in the scripture and they say, some of the most difficult to understand scriptures in the Bible. Yeah? And then they read it and they say, explain this to me. Well, I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit explained it to me and I believe it. And when I believe it, I believe it to the point where it is something true and I don't even need the, the proof to show it as true. Amen? Believe. Now I can go on and preach for another 10 minutes and take you to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Because what's in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1? It says, faith is a substance of things not seen. 
I can take you to Peter. Now, brother Peter, he writes, Peter writes there in the beginning, he says, Him who you not see, you love. But the world says to us, seeing is? Amen. No. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by faith. You see? The Bible explains itself. And I love it. It is absolutely powerful. And it is invigorating for your life. Now let me continue on. He says it here. In whom you also trust out here the word of truth, the gospel of your side. In whom also having believed, you were sealed. Everybody says sealed. Sealed. This is so powerful. This is so magnificent. Because it comes back to the power of God. Remember when I asked you before, do you know the Holy Spirit? And now it comes down to this word sealed here. Sealed, the picture here is of an imprint in wax back in the days. You know what they did? The emperor was there and if he put something and closed something down there, wax there and he puts his ring in that wax. And his, his image will come into that wax. And it means that everything that that is applied to belongs to the emperor. I can already see a few of you know where I'm going with this. I can already see a few of you are getting excited. That's not me. That's the Holy Spirit opening up the scriptures. He says that we were sealed. And then he gives us the emperor's name. Now let me just say. That this is not an emperor. This is way more than an emperor. He says we were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Now if you believe the Holy Spirit is just that. A wind. This will not make sense to you. If you think the Holy Spirit is just a power, this will not make sense to you. Because if you have to have somebody to make an imprint, that somebody's got to be a person. The Holy Spirit is a person with a character and with a personality. Here comes the Holy Spirit now. You come to the cross of Christ. You repent of your sin on your knees. He reaches down from heaven and He saves your soul. At that point, here comes the Holy Spirit. And what does He do? He puts on you the seal of God. Amen or hallelujah or something. Amen. Or some kind of excitement. You are sealed by God. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He puts His seal on you. And what does it mean? It means that you belong to Him. Now let me just take this a little bit further. When, this, when Satan comes and he wants to attack you and he wants to buffet you and he wants to sift you, all these words in the Bible, when he comes to you, because you are the property of God. Guess what he needs to do? He needs to go to God and ask permission to do something to you. Somebody shouts hallelujah. hallelujah. Because I'll tell you why you need to shout hallelujah. Because if he allows Satan to serve you, he will give you the power to 
standing. Amen. You say, where did he get sucking it out of your thumb or what? No, no, no. That's scripture I'm giving you. You see, because when he came to, 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 to uh, what is the man's name? Job. When he came to Job, the property of God, what did he want to do? He wanted to touch him, but he couldn't. And then when he had to appear before the Father, God said to Satan, Have you noticed Job, my servant? My servant. My servant. My servant. In other words, he belongs to me. When he comes to the Father about you, I'm not going to put your name in there, but you know who you are. I hope so. But if he comes to you and he says, Have you noticed that child of you sitting there in, in current downs? Have you noticed him? Guess what? You are His child. And you've got the seal of the Holy Spirit on you. Amen. He's got to ask permission. Yes. With the Holy Spirit of promise. You see the Holy Spirit comes and He makes habitation with us. Who is the guarantee? Now I just want to unpack this word for you for a second as well. The word guarantee here is that the idea here is of a down payment. A down payment. And the Holy Spirit is the only down payment that we receive and need for the Father. There is no two seals on you. This is why brothers and sisters this is God's church. It's not my church. You can't come and say the Holy Spirit and we go to that church down and come down and you know that pastor and shouts so many times you know we don't know who he's shouting for but you know it's not about man it's about God. He puts his seal on you. That's all that matters. Wow. Is it a powerful verse? Have you already learned something from this verse? It's not a matter of learning, brothers and sisters. It's a matter of applying what you've heard. Because if you know now that you trust in Him and you have faith in Him and you have the, the gospel of your salvation and you know now that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, why are you still living without the power? As if you've got no power. And this is what I want to back now. In John chapter 7, did I tell you that I love John chapter 7? <laughs> it's a powerful chapter. I love the whole Bible, but I really love John chapter 7 as well. He says in John chapter 7, and again I'm going to use the privilege that you know everything which is written before verse 37. And I'm not using it out of context, and this is why I use the privilege that you have read this already. But he comes here on the last day, the great day of the feast. The feast here is the feast of booths. They come every year together and there's the feast of booths. They build these small little booths and they, for, for seven to eight days, they spend time in Jerusalem. And they celebrate how God brought them through the wilderness. It's a whole feast. And if you understand, let, let me just throw this in there, okay? The feasts in the Old Testament, all of them, is a shadow of Jesus. All the feasts points towards Jesus. When He came, He fulfilled every single feast. This is why in our church, I mean, you, we, we go to them and you can celebrate, you can look at them, but we don't celebrate them like the Old Testament saints or the Old Testament people. Because we've got Jesus. 
I just thought I'd throw that in there. But here on this great feast day, Jesus stood and he cried out. And listen to what he was crying out. If anyone thirst, what then? Let him come to me and drink. Now listen to this now because I've already laid the foundation for you on the previous slide. We spoke about this word believed here already. Now he uses that same. He says, if anyone thirst, they can come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, there is the distinction. There is the qualification. He who believes in me. What will happen then, Jesus? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning what? Concerning the Spirit, capital letter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in Him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This is a total different sermon. I want to concentrate on these words. Jesus said, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture said, out of His heart will flow what? Living water. Have you tasted that living water? I'll tell you one thing this morning, if you've tasted that living water, brother, sister, sir, madam, friend, cousin, cousin, bro, whatever you want to be called, if you've tasted that living water, thy will thirst no more. You will thirst no more for anything in the life to satisfy that thirst. He says you will receive not water, living water. You see, here is the distinction. Those people standing there on the steps were looking at a physical act. Physical act. They wanted to see and taste the water. He was talking about a spiritual water. Hallelujah. There is a manifestation in physical water. There is. If I take physical water and I come and I spray it over this whole cloud, you will duck and dive, you will get wet. Some of us will put your hair up, the hair will come down, I, some of the makeup will wash away and you'll see the true reflects of our eyes. But, but here is the thing, there is, a, there is a manifestation of physical water, there is. If you take physical water and you wash your body, it becomes clean. It, well, it should become clean, but uh, let me not go further. But if you take the living water, the Spirit of God, and you, there's an application of that. There's a reaction. It washes you clean on the inside. And this is now when he talks about the Spirit. He says, but this in verse 39, this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would, what? Receive. Have you received the Holy Spirit? I've already told you. If you are washed, but a blood-washed child of God at the cross, you also receive the Spirit of God. Now there's a sermon that I will preach, and I don't want to confuse you. There is a filling of the Spirit, and there is a, a, a working of the power of the Spirit, preparing you for ministry. We will come to that later. We need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Can you say anything to that? Amen. I don't wait for you to say amen. It is just an amen. John 6 verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. What gives life? The Spirit. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. 
This is Jesus saying that. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, You He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead and He made you alive. So what makes you alive? The Spirit makes you alive. Can you see how the Scripture interpret the Scripture itself? He says it here, He made you alive. When you were dead in trespasses. We are, we are talking about a spiritual making alive here. Are you with me? In Romans chapter 8 verse 10, I love this. Did I tell you that I love Romans chapter 10? Yeah. It's one of my most favorite chapters. I love the whole Bible, but man, Romans chapter 10. You should go and read the whole chapter. And I'm taking privilege that you've already read before chapter uh, verse 10 and after that. In, in verse 10 he says, And if Christ is in you, where? In you. The body is dead because of sin. But listen now. But the what? The Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, if you've been in this church for a long time, you know that I've unpacked that word for you. It simply means to live a life acceptable to God. Amen. Your lifestyle. He says, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him, who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Brothers and sisters, these are powerful verses. Powerful. And you need to know them. You need to understand them. I want to have you on. If we look at... Is the sound going off? I know it cuts in the out. Is not good for recording. It says there in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. You remember last week we touched on this verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And man, I can talk to you about that part there. It doesn't mean you save yourself, God still saves you. But look at verse 13. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do His good pleasure. Who works in you? God works in you. How does He work in you? Through the Holy Spirit. Next week I'm going to touch on that. Next week I'm going to open up a little bit more about what the Holy Spirit work in you do. But for now just know it is the Holy Spirit who work in you. It says it right there. If we look now at John chapter 14 verse 16, and I will pray the Father. I just want to unpack this for you and we will go and have coffee and something to eat. John 14 16. I love this chapter. <laughs> Honestly. We all love it. I know we all love it, my sister. <laughs> but if you never want to see the promises of Jesus for you and me, go read chapter 14. In fact, 13, 14, and 15. No, I read chapter 1. 16. 16. In fact, read the whole gospel, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be beneficial for you. You've heard it here today. I take again the privilege that you've already read before and after. But look at this now. Because this is Jesus' words to His disciples. It is a promise. He says, I will pray the Father. And He will give you another helper. Now again, you know I've said it so many times and I preach it in this church. The word there for helper is? Parakletos. It means coming alongside you and 
help you and strengthen you and carry you and support you, all of us. Now he's going to pray the Father to send you this person that he may be abide with you. The word abide there means to make habitation, to come in, to move in lock, stock and barrel. Is that making sense? Lock, stock and barrel means you bring everything in. You're not just visiting. You know, if you get me over to your house, I know how it goes. Early night, we're all excited. If it gets by 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock in the morning, you go, did you go, man? I've got an early start tomorrow morning. This is not that kind of one. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. Lock, stock and barrel. He lives inside. He habits you. Inhabits you. He says that He may abide with you. How long? This is the distinction between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let me explain. In the Old Testament, for all these prophets to do the power of God and to prophesy, what did they need? The Holy Spirit. Was the Spirit poured out on them? No. God will give them the Spirit. They will do the power of God and the Spirit will go back to God. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured out. New Testament, the Spirit is poured out. This is why He can say now in the New Testament, He will abide with you forever. The Spirit of? Truth. Truth. I've already laid the foundation. I'm not going to go back. Go and listen to the sermon. Get the video. You can go back again, okay? I'll save you some time. The Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But, sharp contrast, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be where? In you. You see, my dear brothers and sisters, why can't the world not receive the Holy Spirit? First of all, because He's holy. And you and I know that the world rejects anything these days that's holy. And secondly, He is the truth. And you and I know that we are living in an age of lies. Do you know that? If you don't, wake up. Don't believe everything you hear on TV or read in the newspaper or Facebook or WhatsApp or WhatsApp, TikTok or whatever. Whatever. Don't believe that. Believe the Word of God. I know it sounds boring to young people sometimes, but believe the Word of God. Now, now the thing is, there's three things, three propositions that differ us from the world. Three in that last verse. He says that we know Him. He's with us and He's in us. The world can't say that. The world don't say that. The world don't want that. But here is my question to you. Do you want that this morning? You're not saying yes to me. You're saying yes to God. And let me tell you, His Spirit is present here right now. You see, I ask the question always, do you really know Him? Yeah, and He told me that's a given. He says, but you know Him, Jesus. But you know Him. If Jesus was standing here this morning, and I say with a lot of respect in person, and He looked over this crowd, He will ask that question, do you know Him? And how do you know Him? So I want to finish by just showing you three things here today. Three places 
phases of knowing God. Three phases. And you will find yourself in one of these three. And in fact, the whole world will find itself in one of these three. The first phase of knowing God is general revelation. General revelation. And there's two parts of that. One is we learn that He is intelligent. We learn that. Instead, if you, if you believe in Darwin, then you will know that everything evolved. Is this coming out again? No. It, it, it evolved. I don't believe it evolved. It was created. Okay? And the second thing that you learn in general revelation about God is that He is powerful. Who knows that? You see, He is intelligent. In Psalm 19 this morning, my sister read it for us. It says, The heaven declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. Day unto day after speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? I have. If you go out by night and you look into these beautiful stars, what, is, what do you see? You can only say to yourself that it must be an intelligent desire to put all of these things together. If you look at elephants, and if you look at lions, if you look at man, if you look at the smallest insect that you find, a bird. You know, I was playing golf the other day, and I came too close to a bird's nest, man, and that bird started attacking me. Honestly, and I look at it and I think, what, what, what placed it inside of that bird to have such, such a desire of protection that, that it will attack even, you know, that bird was a small bird, honestly. You know, I'm a big dude, and that's a small bird, and I go, man, I, if I catch you, if I, but he said, but you can't, try to catch me. <laughs> no, the bird didn't talk to me, don't think I'm going to so here's the bird going around and, and, and I think by myself when I prepare for this, who is the intelligent, intelligent designer who designed that little bird so intelligent to protect his own? And we throw our own away through abortion. I shouldn't go down there. But here is the thing, our people know God. He is intelligent. And general revelation will show you that. General revelation of God will show you that. But also He's powerful. Who knows that? And it is so true that in Romans chapter 1 verse 18 He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. But I want to talk about His powerfulness in nature. Have you seen that? Have you seen that? I mean, there comes a thunderstorm over and people are hiding under their beds when the lightning strikes and the thunder roars. I come from South Africa and I can tell you in South Africa the thunder is enormous. It shakes the house and you go, wow, there is a power here bigger than me. I'm so fearful. You read through the Psalms and I'm talking about the thunder there, the thunder in New Zealand where I've lived. Well, it's just a little bit smaller than Australia by the way. But here in Australia, when the thunder strikes, man, I can tell you what, there were times I go, whoa, I better watch out. But then you read in the Psalms how they talk about thunder that made big trees to splinter. The power of God, that's what you will read and that's what you will learn through general revelation. And you know how we know that people know general revelation? You will hear people say, oh, there's a higher power. People who don't know God, they don't know God. But they know that there is a power. 
That's a general revelation of an intelligent being who is powerful. They will say, you know, they will come through somebody, miss, miss an accident, and they will say, oh, the man up there looked after me. Have you heard that? Yeah. I've heard it so many times. And I go, yes, you've got general revelation of God. You know that there is a God, but you are so foolish because you don't want to come to the cross of Christ. And then we find, secondly, special revelation. This is how God reveals Himself. Special revelation. This comes through Him speaking to people. And who knows that God spoke to people? Yes, He did. And He's still speaking to us. Hebrews chapter uh, 1 verse 1. God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in times past to the fathers through the prophets. You've got a whole book full of those. Has in the last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. So if you want special revelation, you start picking up the Word of God and you start reading the Word of God. And there's generally two things you're going to learn from God. One is you're going to learn about His character. If you open up the Bible, you will learn the character of God. And secondly, you will learn the purpose and plan of God for this world. You will learn in His character what He likes and what He dislikes. If you open up the Word of God, that's what you're going to find. And then you're going to learn the purpose and plan that you were made in His image. And we need to mirror His image. And that, you know, we need to fill the earth and we need to subdue the earth. The purpose and the plan of God. That's what you find in special revelation. And let me just say now, I want to make a prediction here. That most people in church, most people in churches, has come to this point where they just got special revelation. That's all. And they learn it like a parrot. And when you talk to them, they can quote you a few scriptures. Have you noticed that I said through the whole sermon, I love that chapter. Not only the verse. But there are people out there who can just quote scripture verses to you like that. Oh, this verse says this. This verse says that. And I say, God bless your heart. That is so wonderful. Because you have learned through special revelation about God. But brother and sister, we need to come to the last. And that is a personal relationship. Amen. You cannot have the power of God if you have, don't know Him through a personal relationship. Because this is here when we hear God. Or how do you get this personal relationship? You hear God's Word. Ephesians 1.13 In Him you also trust that I've unpacked it for you before. That's that verse which I told you I love so much. You hear God's Word. This is how you get that personal relationship. You experience the conviction of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 8, when He has come, He will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. That's what I'm preaching on next week. He will convict you, the Holy Spirit will come. And then you respond in faithful obedience. 1 John 1, 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, faithful in truth, to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Three ways. Three ways. General revelation, special revelation, personal relationship. Where are you sitting? If you want to call on the power of God, you will only find it in one place. Personal relationship. I finish with two verses. If somebody can prepare my wife to come. You need to allow the Holy Spirit. You need to allow Him to work in your life. 
you know, I've had some, I come out of Pentecostal background. I've seen it all, heard it all, I've tasted it all. I was sometimes deceived by it all. I came out of that world. I'm not saying the whole world is not right. There's a lot of good things out of Pentecostal. We are still a Pentecostal church, but more in a dynamic way. I'll preach on that, I'll talk to you if you want to ask. But you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. And you need to allow Him to work in your life. Here's the thing that I want to say. He's not going to force anything down on you. He's not going to force it on you. I've heard so many people in the past say, Oh, something came over me. And I, did, I couldn't control myself. I couldn't have. There's nothing that's going to come over you and force you. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He is compared to a dove. Have you ever seen a dove forcing himself in something? Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, verse 13. For it is God who works in your boat and willing to do good. But you have to allow Him. And I remind you what we preached on last week. Not by might, not by my, uh, but by my power. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Have we learned something today? Yes. Is the Word of God powerful? Yes. It's all we're going to do here, preach the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your, for your Spirit who's present in this place. Thank you for your Word, Father. I pray now, Lord, that you will help us. Help us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, to apply what we've heard today. Thank you for the Word that gives us life and makes us life. Father, I pray for everybody who goes away from this place this week, that you will bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.